0: Thank <music> It's host number two of the Bitcoin podcast, D, uh, for another episode of TBP's On ramping with D. Uh, so for those of you who, who don't know how I roll with this show, this is my attempt to get a real-time measure of the knowledge base of the people in the world of Bitcoin, right? And this episode is actually kind of bleeding into blockchain because if you've been in Bitcoin longer than, I don't know, two weeks, then you should probably know that it's not just about Bitcoin anymore. We had hoped that would be the way it is, but it doesn't seem to be as that's the way it's going. So it does help to be versed in just the technology itself, the awesome things that are going on with it. And so on today's show, I have a guest, special guest, Reem Elseed. Uh, Originally popped into our community, I think, from a meetup that Dr. Corey Petty himself was at, or a speech, or something. I don't know. I don't really know the connection. So I'm going to give her the opportunity to introduce herself.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. Um, Yeah, so I actually joined your community right around the Equibit ICO, and that's where I met Corey. Nice. And I believe he recorded uh, his show at the ICO, but I could be wrong. And that's when I got to know uh, the Bitcoin podcast. I heard about your, your podcast and then I joined your Slack channel. And yeah, it's been exciting.
0: Yeah. Sorry for any goonery that goes on in that Slack channel. You know. I will
1: say you guys speak a completely foreign language sometimes to me. So I'm just like, I'll just you know sit back and watch and see how this goes.
0: Well, how are you gonna get fluent in the language unless you immerse yourself?
1: Through Google, I just see you guys talking about some random stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't understand this. So I'm just gonna Google it, and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day I'll have the guts to just chime in and talk about whatever you guys are talking about someday.
0: That's what we. That's what. We, that's what makes a community a community, or else it's just a bunch of guys talking Gosh, back I and forth. I wouldn't be that
1: dumbass that asked the stupid questions though.
0: That's the, that's the guy who learns or the, sorry, not the guy. I should be much better about that at this point in time, but that's the person who learns, right? The person who's like, Hey, why does that thing do that? And then there's going to be a few people that are like, ha, that's a dumb person. And then nobody cares about those people because they're rude. But then there's going to be a lot of other people that are like, ah, well, let me tell you, or, well, what do you know? Which is kind of like what this show is about. So, I understand you came with some questions. There's some things you want to ask me, and I really hope I can answer them to help okay. clear up some fogginess that you may have so
1: okay, so um, a little background about how I got some of my involved in this Bitcoin world uh, a couple of years ago, I was in finance, and you know Bitcoin was the buzzword, and I wanted to know what what it Bitcoin really was. And um, the Chamber of Digital Commerce were hosting a panel to essentially talk to Bitcoin skeptics out there. And the founder was talking about how uh, Factum, where, I mean, she she talked to us about Bitcoin, how it works. Again, it went in one year, out the other. Didn't really make any sense to me. But then what really caught my attention was when she brought up Factum and how they were working with the government of Honduras, to register deeds uh, using GPS coordinates to essentially um, Mm. put that on the ledger for the citizens of Honduras so no one can go and steal their land. And it just so happened, coincidentally, that time that my parents were dealing with that with the government of Sudan, where they were forging deeds uh, behind the scenes and trying to claim my parents' land. Um, that's why I got really interested in blockchain. So Bitcoin aside, that's where I was like, oh my God, this is more than just currency, That it's, you know, democratization of assets essentially, and giving people the right and ownership, um, for their assets without any government interference. And that's when I started diving in deeper. And, uh, that same day I got circle and I bought a couple of bitcoins Mm. and did you say say a couple? Uh, I want to say, like, two Bitcoins. Nice. Yeah, and now I'm looking at my wallet. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> well, I, but to back to that, I had Circle once upon a time, and then they sent me this email freaking out about the fork and, you know, get rid of your Bitcoins or else. And, like, I'm really curious. Like, what is this fork, this impending fork that everyone's freaking out about?
0: Okay, so one. I really can't answer if there's going to or not going to be a fork. But this boils down to when you have an open source technology, really. At the at the very root of it, it it's a it's a behavior of people when you have an open source technology, right? So, you're I know you're familiar with open source, closed source. Right. And if you've got Millions of people around the planet working on a thing, and then a small section of those people, subsection of those people, uh, decide to make that thing different, right? You've now got a fork. So take any open source, or any open source software, and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this technology that everyone's using. I'm gonna change it a little bit so I can do something for myself, and then boom, and then. A lot more of those millions of people start pouring into that new thing that that guy did with that same technology. Well, you've now forked the technology. There's that old format that people were using, and there's this is new format. So the fork with Bitcoin is the same, except for the difference is we're talking about billions of dollars and not just like some free internet software, right? So, like Google Chrome is open source. People make all kinds of stuff that you could do with it and i've met different people that have like oh i use this in my google chrome and it helps me with this kind of productivity and i'm like that's crazy like you can do anything with google chrome but with bitcoin you kind of don't want to do anything because it's we're talking about money so this fork there's a group of people there's a large group of people that says hey we need to increase the block size so are you familiar with block size and blockchain all that
1: to a certain extent yes just not the technical stuff
0: so to keep it as technical as it needs to be and not more technical than that a block is just a bunch of transactions that need to be verified that sorry that have been verified by all of the miners that are doing all of the calculations to essentially take a bunch of transactions and throw them into a block. Once they're in a block, then they're on the blockchain. Once they're on the blockchain, you can't change them. Right? Okay. That's what it boils down to. Once it's on the blockchain, it's immutable. You can't change it. So right now, the block size is one megabyte. You can fit however many transactions can fit into one megabyte. From zero, you can mine empty blocks if you're a jerk to as full as it gets, 0.99999 megabytes. Um, but that's it, that's the cap. So there's a group of people that think, hey, we need to increase the block size immediately because what happens is as a block gets more full, the fee to get your transaction on the blockchain increases because there's actually kind of a market now to get the transaction you need into a block. Right? Okay. So that's kind of the economy behind it, right? You pay fees to get your transaction into a block. Now, some people's theory is that the larger the blocks, the more transactions that can fit into it. The lower the fees, the more access more people have to Bitcoin, right? So it can truly be a global currency if anybody can use it right if the transaction fee is like 0.00000001 Bitcoin right then everybody gets to use Bitcoin and you just get a huge volume of transactions going into a block and everything is great and everybody wins. The bad thing about that idea is that maybe if you make the block size too big too fast then it's going to actually kinda centralize the network Because only so many people are going to be able to afford the resources to maintain a blockchain that big. Right? So if you increase the block size to 10 megabytes, 100 megabytes, and that's happening every 10 minutes, that blockchain gets pretty big pretty fast. So who's
1: managing the blockchain now?
0: Okay, so the Bitcoin blockchain isn't necessarily managed, but it is duplicated across any node that is in the Bitcoin network, right? So that's kind of the beauty of the whole system is that no one has has control, so everyone does. So when, I, when you say managed, I'm going to assume you're talking about, well, I can't really assume you're talking about anyone because no one manages the blockchain. If you're on the Bitcoin network, you have access to the Bitcoin blockchain. You can send transactions on it. Now, nobody nobody manages it. In fact, right now, if you'd like to, you can download a client. I think Mycelium has a pretty good one. Uh, Armory has a pretty good client where you can run a node on the network, and that's just it. If you want to make a full node, then you have to then download the entire history of every single transaction that has ever taken place for the last nine years. Yep, nine years. And it takes probably about two to three days if you have a pretty good internet connection to download that entire blockchain.
1: Oh my gosh. That is insane. Yeah.
0: And so that's kind of what makes Bitcoin kind of powerful is because once a transaction's in there, that's it. It's a done deal. Now there's a lot of people that would fight me on this. Zero confirmations to six confirmations. Basically it's a probability game. But if you don't sorry one confirmation is unchangeable six confirmation is you'd need more computer processing power that we could probably ever build to change it this is all possible because of cryptography so i are you familiar with cryptography correct
1: ish ish
0: okay Maybe. so let's see Try to tie this in a tie this in a nice package. So cryptography is, is just a discipline of math. And I usually run through the same spiel because it works every time. So let's do a little – let's play a game. If I let A equal 1 and B equal 2 and C equal 3, then what's D going to equal? 4. There you go. Now let's say, okay, now that we under, we've matched letters to numbers – I'm going to let A equal 1 plus 3. So therefore, that makes B equal to 2 plus 3. And C equal to 3 plus 3. So on and so forth. So then if I gave somebody a random string of numbers, and then I told them that the letters equal A equals 1 plus 3, B equals 2 plus 3, then they should be able to take each individual number and figure out what I've said. Right? And say, okay, if this is a four then that number must that number means it's a right and i can send a message that's encoded right the step of me telling you what those letters equal is called a cipher essentially and all cryptography is is a fancy word for math that codes things and we've gotten so good at this math that we can code things in manners that the codes Are not uncrackable, but it would take so much computer processing power and so long to do that it's not a net gain attempting to crack that code. Like, it's like, what's the point? Like, I understand there's a box of gold right there, but I'd spend more money trying to get into the box. Like, it's just not worth it. You can't do it. So... I used to know the math and I should get better. I used to know the exact numbers behind what the probability is of of you being able to change one transaction that's one confirmation deep, but I'm telling you it's it's very small. It's like 0 to the 10 to the negative a lot. And if you're very if you want to get technical and you want to look that up Be my guess, but that's kind of why I believe in this system so much because it's like people can't hack that. That's impossible. There's not enough computers on the planet. In fact, there's one thing I do know. The Bitcoin network is the largest computer network that's ever existed. And right now, if you were to combine like the top 250 supercomputers, the Bitcoin network is still like tens of thousands of times larger in processing power. Yeah, so, so I,
1: I heard that math is getting harder, and because of that, you know the processing power is just more massive, But I guess my question is, why did Bitcoin become more successful than the other cryptocurrencies that are out there? I mean, what makes it so special? Is it because it was the first, or, I mean, what is it about Bitcoin that makes it the best cryptocurrency out there?
0: Okay. So it depends on how you define the best. But right now, the most valuable, yes, it is because of that first mover advantage. And for what I believe is a very, it's it's time-tested and it works. So there's a lot of other coins. There's hundreds. And some of them are doing well. Ethereum, Litecoin, Monero, Ethereum Classic. They're doing great. But... Some of those other coins, well, Litecoin counts, but some of those other coins use a an algorithm that's not really time tested and true just yet. And there's proof of work, and proof of proof of work is what Bitcoin is based on. Proof of work is what uh, Ethereum is currently based on. Proof of work is what Litecoin is based on. But essentially, when these computers are solving this massive math riddle to be the first computer to find a block and be rewarded with Bitcoin, they have to prove that they've done the processing work to get that. And that's essentially what they're doing. So they're doing these ridiculous amount of calculations. Uh, And I start just remembering these numbers off the top of my head. They change all the time, so whatever. I can give you some literature if you need it. They're actually playing a game to prove that they've done the work to be the first computer to solve the riddle to get the transactions into the block. So it's called proof of work.
1: And they get paid in return for that.
0: And they get paid brand new Bitcoin. So that company, that Coinbase company that you've heard of, right? Right. I know you've heard of Coinbase. Everybody uses Coinbase. Like, well, every transaction in a block that is the new bitcoin coming into the system that is called a Coinbase transaction and i do let me see if i can get this right it's not too late here it's the only transaction that you'll see in a block without an associated output so that means it's just br- a brand new input coming into the system so bitcoin is all kind of based on inputs and outputs if I take some money and I, if I want to send you Ream, some money, that's an output from my wallet and an input to yours. All right. Okay. Well, the the new Bitcoin that comes into the system is the only transaction you'll find in a block with no output. It's brand, it's a brand new input. Right, so and so every go ahead.
1: Who inputs these new Bitcoins?
0: Well, it's a it's an algorithm that's designed. Um, by it's in the white paper actually it was it's just in the algorithm that so many Bitcoin are introduced every 10 minutes and it's set and it doesn't change and that's just the way it is from the beginning <laughs> so to add into that you know it started out with 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes and around every four years that halves so it went down from 50 Bitcoin to 25 Bitcoin now it's at 12.5 Bitcoin Four years from last year so three years from this year i don't know why i said that so strangely (laughs) three years from now (laughs) three years from now uh there'll be six point crap 12.5 6.25 bitcoin every 10 minutes so that's by design and that also alludes to there's actually only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. It's scarce. So when it comes to the value and Bitcoin being the best in that nature, that's why I think it has a lot of value because it's, it's scarce. There's only ever going to be so many. So if it does get to a point where it does become really valuable, well, if you don't have them, you don't get them. Not for a lot, at least.
1: Right. And I'm guessing the supply and demand of the limited Bitcoin out there drives the value of the Bitcoin, right? It
0: definitely does. It's very easy to measure supply and demand when you have a predictable rate of input. And, you know, if the predictable rate of input put is going down, but the demand is increasing, well, supply goes down, demand goes up. We all know what happens to price.
1: Okay. And so how is this value, how is the Bitcoin valued against the U.S. dollar or any fiat currency?
0: Okay. So what do you mean by that?
1: So like how did it
0: reach this price?
1: Right. Yeah, like one Bitcoin now is a little over $1,200. I mean, I understand that it started from nothing and then became to 1200 But like how do you, it's not pegged to the U.S. dollar. So how is that,
2: uh, mm. I don't know.
0: I think I can answer that kind of outside of the box kind of thing. Do you have things in your life that you're willing to pay more for because you just like them?
1: Yes, like my laptop.
0: Yeah, like you, you probably you got an Apple. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's
1: I you like it, right? Pro. So
0: you pay yeah. the price, right?
1: That, yeah, that's true.
0: And the supply of that one per one entity controls all the supply, and there's a very high demand. So what do they get to do? I'm going to charge you one foot and a pinky for this laptop. And you're like, damn, but you see that operating system, though? I guess I'll just hobble. I guess I'll hobble.
1: (laughs) Okay, I would hobble for my MacBook Pro.
0: See, and there it is. So with Bitcoin, it was kind of the same way, is that you know, kind of developed this natural demand. And everyone knew at the point in time, you know, the lucky people like the Roger Bears and the, the Voorhees and the Andreas Antonopoulos and the Gavin reasons, they were like, huh, well, this thing, if it becomes a big deal, there's only ever going to be so many. And, like, the supply is really slow. Like, there's not a lot of these things coming into the system. So I'm just going to buy a bunch of them. And then more people had that same idea and then when all of a sudden people at the same exact time figure out that one thing is something a lot of people want then the value of that thing goes up a lot and that's just human behavior and that's a lot of the, a lot of the market that's why I like is that you can a, a market is actually a valuation of human emotion
1: oh i agree
0: 100% so A lot, You know, there was one point in time when there were a lot of people going to Sears Roebuck to buy their clothes and their bikes. But Sears, I think, went out of business this year because the last time I went through a Sears was on accident. Like, I walked through it and I was like, why am I in here? I need to turn around and go back into the mall.
1: I don't even remember the last time I saw a Sears. It was probably back (laughs) in my college town. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're bankrupt.
0: Nobody would have said that like 50, 60 years ago, but, you know, that is what it is. And So over time, over this last nine years, more and more people are starting to say like, oh, man, I got to give me some Bitcoin. It doesn't take that much of a push, but the more people that decide to do it all at once, the price goes up.
1: So people were at beginning fearful of Bitcoin and they were terrified of, you know, what it could be or what will it be and – It just had this really bad stigma associated with it. And it just seems Mm -hmm. like now that's kind of shifting. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because Bitcoin is kind of stabilizing and, you know, showing people that it is still resilient, or it's because blockchain is now becoming applicable in different industries and financial institutions and governments and Mm -hmm. huge corporations are adopting this technology. I mean, what, how did this shift happen?
0: hmm so it's funny we interviewed a guy on our main show a long time ago he was the right head man to um who's the ceo of overstock patrick bierne right i think that's his name
2: well
1: we interviewed his like yeah go ahead payment in bitcoins right
0: yeah you can one
1: of the early adopters
0: you know, it's a it's a it's a little known story that the first host cello bought his wife's engagement ring with Bitcoin. So, oh. yeah, I know we're nerds, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can buy stuff with Bitcoin at Overstock if you like. And uh, well, his second in command came on the show to tell us about um, T. Zero, which is their blockchain, uh, which. Uh, is trying to basically rebuild the stock market. It's been a while since I talked to that project. I should probably revisit it. But his theory is that blockchain is going Bitcoin's going to be a huge deal, but it's not going to be a huge deal until we start using the technology for other random things. And then there's going to be this slow boil of people's viewpoint of this technology changing. Oh, this is a very trustworthy technology. This is something I can trust in my life. And then once they start, once they've heard for years and years, like, oh, this technology was based on Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin is probably something I can trust too. Oh crap. Well, Bitcoin is money. Well, how can we use this fancy money that we just kind of been shoving off to the side for a decade? Like that's that's a theory that he had, and that it's going to take other things becoming wildly trustable and popular using blockchain for Bitcoin to become massively adopted. So.
1: Okay. So I, I was actually in uh, the UK last month. Oh yeah. One month are we in now? Yeah. I was in <laughs> London last month and um, I spent two weeks there and all I did was go to the blockchain meetups and the fintech meetups over there and it is really big a lot bigger than at least washington dc which is where i live right now Mm -hmm. um here the community exists it's fairly it's decent size but in london i mean every single day every night every other hour there was some meetup whether it was ethereum or blockchain or bitcoin or fintech startups strictly for blockchain uh technology or insure tech i mean it was bubbling over there a lot faster than it is here in the US. And I, uh, From my conversations with people there, they think it's because uh, regulators in the UK are kind of giving companies the free reign to dabble with this technology and they're actually interested to see where it goes, mm. versus here you have a lot of obstacles, the federal and the state level regulators are just putting all sorts of obstacles in front of everyone. Um, I know fintech is really big in New York, and obviously number one is London. It is the hub for fintech startup space. But, I mean, what is the future of blockchain and Bitcoin in the U.S.?
0: Mm, That's a good question. I hope our third host, Corey Petty, has a hand in knowing exactly where that's going. Um, He kind of, like, does that for a living now. I'm so jealous. He gets to study and learn Bitcoin and blockchain technologies. his life i'm like man how but anyways um you know what all i can really do is speak to the current state of things and currently bitcoin is a commodity in this country just like any commodity so if you buy a bunch of gold and you hold gold then you're not taxed on it until you sell it and if you sell it for a gain you pay tax on the gain if you sell it for a loss you pay tax on the loss, or you don't pay tax on the loss. You can claim it as a loss. So that's it. That's, 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 that's the legal standing of Bitcoin in, in the U.S. There's really no other way to put it. Um, there's been some court cases where judges are like, yeah, it's a currency. But that's like on the state level. And U.S. is a big place. We have – it's really a federation – You've got all these states. Every state has its different laws. Sometimes different counties have different ordinances or whatever. But the at the federal level, Bitcoin is a commodity, and basically it's an investment. So I hope that answers your question. It's def- What's funny is the reason why I smiled. And people are only going to hear this. The reason why I smiled and got so giddy when you said the UK seems really lax about it. And they're letting people do what they want is because early when the automobile first was getting started up, the UK took the opposite approach. They put all these legislative roadmaps up uh, and then we ended up winning because we were like, the car is pretty cool. We're just going to let people drive around. Yeah, some people are going to get hit and die, but whatever. And I was like, huh. When people tell a story like that. but So you
1: think that's what's going on with blockchain? People are just going to get... Well, I no. guess, yeah. It is still the first couple of generation of this technology.
0: Unfortunately, the harsh reality is, is the people that are hopping into it whimsically without doing the research about the technology are going to lose a lot of money. Because we're talking about money, and it happens to be the number one thing that criminals like. So they're going to get really good at social engineering. They're going to get really good at finding ways to get a hold of people's private keys to get their Bitcoin. So when I say get hit by a car, that's what I mean. But if the UK does things right, then eventually a need will probably, I don't know, evolve from the people that that are using this currency and using it to generate commerce and do things. But people get robbed. So somebody's going to say, hey, I implemented this algorithm, this software that can actually help you protect your Bitcoin. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I do know that a lot of people got hit by cars until we were like, all right, let's build roads. Let's put paint on the roads. Let's put signs up and let's make people have to learn the signs. And if they don't learn the signs, then they can't drive the cars. Like, we're going to build a system. But... Before we do that, there's going to be some bumps in the road. No pun intended.
2: Okay.
1: So. I'm actually glad you said this because um, I mentioned to you earlier that I'm actually working on a fintech blockchain startup. Mm-hmm. We're still in the ideation slash startup phase, still trying to figure out how to design this product.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this product is focused on increasing financial inclusion. Which is something that's very important to me and the people that I work with because we are all from developing countries mm-hmm. um, and we're trying to cater to the unbanked community using blockchain technology however, we have a few questions as far as you know how to use this technology to its full potential mm-hmm. and what harm can come from using this technology for the people that are going to be adopting this product if it ever launches. And, you know, what, what roadblocks we're going to hit. And um, as of right now, the one question that we all had is if we were to use blockchain technology, should we use um, our own currency? So have an ICO or should we use, you know, the fiat currency, convert that to cryptocurrency and then c- convert it back to fiat? I mean, mm. what, what is your take on that?
0: It's way early in the game um but what one thing i would say is whatever you choose to do with cryptocurrency is you got to educate whoever is using it whether it's your own currency whether they're using some other sort of cryptocurrency some other blockchain if you're building a system on top of a uh, already if you're if you're building a system on top of a blockchain that already exists if they don't own the keys they don't own the bitcoin and what i mean by keys i mean specifically the private keys so if you're building some sort of cryptocurrency or, or blockchain, I'm going to assume there's some sort of private key that is the seed to the addresses and the, the places that are going to be doing the transactional communication on this blockchain. You've got to stress to them that if they don't have that private key that is the seed, then they don't own that Bitcoin, they don't own that message, they don't own that whatever is being sent, it doesn't belong to them. That's it. So that's the number one thing. So the bulk of my Bitcoin, um, it's offline. I got the private key. It's mine. Only I know the private key. Only I know where it is. Only I know how it's stored. I have redundancies against myself. I think I, I used my most secure password and then encrypted that with an encryption algorithm. And then that is a step of one of the passwords to get to my private, like no one's going to get my private key. They can't. There's it's, it's mathematically impossible. And since I only know what it is and where it is, that's it. I really, all I have to do is write. Now. The only danger is I got to make sure it's in my will somehow. So, like if, <laughs>
1: okay.
0: if something unfortunate, if something happens to me, I you really want the people mind. I love. I don't mind. Say what?
1: You can write my name on your will. I don't mind holding onto here with the coins. <laughs>
0: If, if something were to happen, I'm really worried that there's just gonna be some Bitcoin stuck in the Bitcoin blockchain forever. So um, that would be the first warning. Now, if you want to do an ICO, um, I'd recommend taking your company and getting a really good white paper going on our other show, Block Channel, because um, <laughs> we really kind of highlight ICOs and and, and um, what they're working to build and on that that show. But the thing about an ICO is I'd say if you're going to work to build one, you got to have a really unique one at this time, because that's kind of becoming a market. That's, you don't want to run the risk of, Hey, I'm doing an ICO. And then like a thousands of other people are doing an ICO and they're very similar. And you don't want to run the risk of becoming a buzzword like we talked about shortly before the show. So I'd say if you're going to do your own blockchain and you're going to make one, um, do it right. Uh, That would be my bit of advice. Um, Did I answer your question? Like what kind of risks are you looking to avoid?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Because I mean, as far as like the private key and public key, I have a general idea of how that works, but I just didn't know how, what the implication was of um, developing a product like that. So we're still in, like I mentioned, the ideation phase and I'm designing this product essentially. So it was just trying to figure out, you know, where could we go wrong before we even,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, put anything together. So that was really helpful.
0: Another thing is when you're starting up a new coin, you've got to have you got have a network that's secure. That's another reason why Bitcoin has its values because it's so secure. And when I say secure, I mean it's machine secure. We're talking about machines can't hack it. Computers can't hack it. And the thing that when you start up a brand new blockchain, you start up a brand new network, uh, you run the risk of somebody having the processing power to go onto that blockchain and change a transaction and change something that's taken place and the whole beauty of having a blockchain in the first place is immutability if that transaction took place i know that it took place and you don't want to run the risk of having a blockchain that that somebody can change now somebody's going to hear this and they're going to say but ethereum did that and I will say that's not the time for the on this show, so
1: <laughs> Okay. Um, so why is Bitcoin more secure than other like, than ethereum? Is it because uh, it's been around the
0: hashing, hashing power ahead? the difficulty okay. the difficulty and the hashing power all there's there's just so the network is so huge now that you would need. One day, I'm going to sit down and actually do the calculation of the amount of money and computer processing power you would need to have for just the 10 minute window opportunity of changing one transaction. That's all you get. Because after the next 10 minutes hits, you've got to start over with a brand new block. And that block's not going to have the same transaction you were trying to change in it in the first place. So it's like, damn, like I got to spend billions of billions upon billions of dollars just for the chance to change one transaction and I only get 10 minutes to change it. Ooh, I might as well just if not do that. And just be a part of the system and use my computer computer processing power to get an opportunity to get some of those free Bitcoin that are coming in. Well, not free, but new Bitcoin.
1: Okay, so you all right now? I'm a little lost. So you said there's new Bitcoin coming in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Every ten minutes, new Bitcoin enters the system. Remember, That's we great. talked about that a little while ago. That so, like, every ten minutes, brand new, fresh Bitcoin enters syndication or circulation.
1: But there's still 21 million.
0: There's only ever going to be 21 million. There's okay. currently 17 million. 16 million, I don't know off the top of my head. There's currently, I don't know, let's go with 16 point something million Bitcoin in circulation. So every 10 minutes, 12.5 are added to that.
1: Okay. So until 21 million, and then that's like the cutoff?
0: That's the cutoff. No more Bitcoin after that.
1: So there isn't like 21 million at a time right now?
0: No, no. Okay. But that's, a lot of people use that 21 million to do price predicting, you know? you see what i'm saying like oh if there's only ever going to be 21 million and there's this much dollar value that goes into bitcoin then what would one bitcoin be worth okay. they're not taking into account a lot of things like transactional value like fungibility but if you do that very general lame valuation then people get these. that's how you see on the internet you'll see like one bitcoin could be worth one trillion dollars and you're like what
1: how's that even it's not
0: impossible and <laughs> then some people comes. say what
1: when that day comes
0: yeah one bitcoin is can buy a planet like that <laughs> no but you know a lot of people said it wouldn't be worth $1200 either so you know as you start to think there's a very good graphic I like to refer to is that bitcoin is only worth 20 21 billion dollars right now hell you got companies that are worth like five times that that are way way less useful like i mean i i just don't get instagram maybe i'm aging myself but like (laughs) instagram is like i put pictures up there and people look at the pictures and they double tap them and that's cool like not really a function worth a lot more than bitcoin you know, so what if Bitcoin were just as valuable as Instagram? Well, the price goes up. It goes up to like two point five thousand. So that's from a price standpoint. So but what other questions do you have? This is fun. This is a fun interview.
1: So you said you started getting into Ethereum recently. hmm Um one thing I've been really curious about a smart contract. And Oof. funny enough, when I was first met Corey, he was telling me how dumb the name smart contract is because it's not really a smart contract. It's a dumb contract. Um, but yeah, can you <laughs> like, tell me a little more about smart contracts and what they are?
0: One, I'm going to get on Corey for falling into the trap of applying, a basically uh, characterizing inanimate things. Uh, Cause contracts can't be smart or dumb, they just bind people together. But, <laughs> um, so this isn't this is definitely in Corey's wheelhouse, but I'll take a stab at it, and I'm sure I'll be destroyed if I get anything wrong by the internet. But a smart contract is essentially a program that is running on a blockchain that can make a very basic decision right so say say a bunch of parameters need to be met and they need to be met between two entities a smart contract would wait until those parameters are met and then release transactions to go do something right okay. and what why I say transactions to go do something is because in the case of Ethereum, transactions don't just mean money from point A to point B Because transactions literally don't mean that. You can transact anything. Like, anything transacts. If you move something from one point to another, it has transacted. So, you know, a smart contract could say, after so many days, these Ethereum that do this go over here and do something else.
1: So the smart contract essentially acts, acts as a gateway for this transaction
0: uh yeah you can kind of put it that way okay. and and you can see if you build up the logic in that gateway you can do some very intricate things right so you can build layers of that if you like after a certain amount of ethereum that does this hits here then it's going to release to go here and there and they're going to hit another smart contract that uh, after so much ethereum does this they're just going to you can build very robust systems off of that very basic logic.
1: Okay. And once you put the smart contract or you build the logic, it's permanent, right?
0: Yeah. It's on that blockchain and it's and it's going.
1: What if someone like made a typo or put the wrong logic <laughs> in there?
0: Oh, so you're talking about the DAO and that has happened and it was terrible. And it's been weird in the community ever since, to tell you the truth. So the DAO, which is a distributed autonomous organization, which is very, very fancy letters for a company that runs itself. Right. Okay. A bunch of money goes into this company and then it starts making decisions what to do with the money on its own. Right. So to, let's get real future Star Trekky real quick. Imagine you have a smart car. Not a smart car because those things are terrible. Imagine you have a a nice car that can drive itself, a Tesla.
1: Oh, like the new Tesla.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Imagine you got one of those, right? And it can drive itself. And you say, hey, I don't want to use this for personal use. I'm going to let this thing be extra, extra smart and just become its own taxi. Go, car that can drive itself and pick people up and take them places. And it has a wallet in the dashboard so it can accept electronic payments. Go be a taxi. And then one day, the taxi sends you an email, and it says, hey, guess what? I'm rich. I'd like to buy another one of myself and have two taxis in my taxi company. And you're like, all right, do it. Go. Go, car. Be a taxi company. And then all of a sudden, you get another email that says, hey, remember those two taxis? Well, surprise, surprise, we now have made enough money to afford a third taxi. So we're just going to go ahead and buy another taxi. And so you now have a company that has very basic logic built into itself from a business standpoint that can run itself. Right? Okay. You you don't need that stuff because the car is running itself. It's picking people up. It's dropping them off. It's taking payments. It knows how much cost there is associated with coming back to the house to plug in. It knows the costs. It knows the revenue. It knows at this certain point I could now buy another Tesla. And guess what I'm going to do? Send all the information to the Tesla Corporation so that car just drives straight out of the factory to my house. That's a very futuristic world and a very that's like...
1: Terrifying world too. Terrifying world at the <laughs> same
0: time. But you can see like that's what smart contracts kind of allows, very futuristic ideas like that. And it's very so. I so I think Corey called it a dumb contract because all it is is a logic gate.
1: Right, it serves only one function.
0: Yep. And but if you do a bunch of those functions in a row, you get a very robust system, which is what humans do. We take very simple things and build very robust systems. So.
1: Okay. So a couple of days ago. I attended this event where Microsoft Azure was um, showcasing the, their platform, the blockchain platform that they're working with,
2: mm-hmm. and they talked
1: about the crippled fabric, which is a layer above the smart contract mm. that lets their smart contracts be somewhat flexible. I think it can like slightly amend the existing smart contract, but... From my understanding, the whole point of a smart contract is that it's permanent, and once the logic is there, you cannot change it. But with the crippled fabric, won't that, I don't know, um, jeopardize the integrity of the smart contract or, or the logic that's already in place?
0: You know, honestly, I'd love to talk to them. I don't know exactly what they're doing, so I really can't speak to it. I think that your intuition, and since it's womanly, is most likely right but I don't know because I don't know anything about that project and I don't know anything about cripplets And now I'm realizing I may need help learning about what's new in the blockchain space.
1: Gosh, it's like every day I learn something new and just like in this hour, I learned five new things. Well, I'll add to the list. So thank you for that. Hey,
0: no problem. Um, anytime. Um, I hope, you know, I hope I gave you the courage to start speaking up in that slack because you got nothing to fear. Petty was, Petty was a professor. I was a teacher. Like we like talking about things that we know about, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of a lot of people in there are way smarter than us, are way nicer. There's some jerks in there too. There's a lot of goon activity that goes on in the random channel. Sorry about that.
1: Oh, I but, love that channel.
0: Oh yeah, you like going in there from time to time.
1: <laughs> I do.
0: Um, but it, uh, you know, it don't don't be scared to ask the questions because then you're never gonna get the answer. And two, please ask the questions because we gotta stay sharp. Like, what the hell is a cripplet? Now I gotta go ask Corey what a cripplet is, and he's gonna say, what "The fuck are you talking about?" And I'm gonna say, "See, doctor, you don't know." <laughs> but anyways, did I answer all your questions? Did I do okay
1: yes, you yeah, this was really awesome. Thank you so much.
0: okay, well, typically, I would ask, would you like me to show you how to buy some Bitcoin in a real like used car car manager salesman, sure. like a used it's car okay. salesman voice so. um, but you already have some, so
1: I don't need to show you that. Yeah, I've been hoarding my bitcoins for a couple of years. I have not touched them. I've just been watching the money grow. Oh, yeah? Is that a good idea or a bad idea?
0: I mean, wait, before I answer that, I'd like to let you know just verbatim what you said was I've been watching the money grow. (laughs) Is that a good idea or a bad idea?
1: Well, I know, like, people say, like, oh, you should try selling your bitcoins, you know? And I'm like, no, I like. Watching my wallet grow, but maybe I should try something new. I'm risk averse, but well, maybe I should.
0: I'll say this: um, if it's an investment, treat it like an investment. If it's a currency, treat it like a currency. Um, either one, you want. I do both. I pay some bills with Bitcoin this year. I feel proud about that. Oh, um, nice. I invest with it, or I buy ICOs with it. That's something else I started doing. But sorry, excuse me, I, I would say treat it like um, treat it like any investment take a percentage of what you have and what percentage you're willing to bet with right um, now I'm going get I'm gonna get in my soapbox right before the show ends, right okay. everything is a gamble. You can keep all your money in the bank, banks go under, so does your money. Everybody says the FDIC is going to protect you. Well, they don't have to, and if things get real, real shitty, they can't. Money's gone. All right, you can keep your money in your mattress. House burns down. You you could bury your money in the dirt. You lose the coordinates, right? Any single way you store your wealth is a risk. There are some that are less risky, and there are some that are more risky. If you can find the balance in percentages of your wealth that allows you to gamble in different levels of risk, then you can maximize your investments. All right, So it's not easy to do, but Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is a very risky assessment, so you want to make sure you have a small percentage of your wealth in it. Because if it does go under, and all of a sudden the entire world at once is like, Bitcoin is garbage, and I never want it in my life again. And Bitcoin's price starts to tumble, and you don't get to it fast enough. Well, you're not that person who's like, oh, I sold my house and my daughter's leg to buy a bunch of Bitcoin, and now I don't have anything, and I'm going to jump off a bridge. Like, avoid that, and you're fine. Yeah. So.
1: Okay. I mean, the the circle email kind of worried me. They're just like... Abort, abandon ship. Sell your breakfast. Uh, I'm like, oh crap. Like, what should the- I do? And then I saw your chat. Um, you guys were like, oh no, it's just, just ignore them. I was like, okay, I'm gonna Look, listen to you guys.
0: The only way to be like super duper safe, yes, is in the event of a hard hard fork, and that is not shown that it's going to happen, then yes, it'd be ideal to put your money outside of Bitcoin. Maybe not leave cryptocurrency, but get out of Bitcoin because a hard fork implies that one of those two coins is going to win and that's going to be the new Bitcoin. But if you happen to have your money on the other one and nobody's using it anymore and there's no demand for it anymore, then you're... um, your money SOL. is yeah yep, sol. so um i will tell you what keep tuned into the network keep tuned into our slack keep tuned into the show and you will definitely know if a hard fork is happening and say hey i'm gonna take that out of bitcoin i'm putting another coin real quick you know there's other ways to get your money out of fiat than bitcoin now which is new like you could put your money in litecoin and get it out into fiat you can put your money in Ethereum and get it out into fiat. So
1: Okay. I'll remember that. Thank you.
0: So if you stay tuned in and it does look like a hard fork is coming, just put your money in Ethereum or put it in a Litecoin. Somewhere where you can get it out of Bitcoin quickly and then get it get it into Fiat and revisit Bitcoin when it, you feel it's a little more stable. So
1: Okay. Well, I'll definitely keep my Slack channel on and make sure that I'm still up to date with what's going on. Because really, you guys have been keeping me up to date with what's going on. Like as far as like the Winklevoss ETF that was supposed to, well, I guess I did not fall through because of the SEC. Mm -hmm. Now we knew that because of you guys talking about it. So,
2: Yay,
0: people listen to us.
1: You're like, I'm my primary source for like Bitcoin news.
0: Hey, oh, that's good news for me. You're making my year, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. next time I make out to D.C., I'll have to see I come out to I come out to D.C. now.
1: Oh, definitely. So, you guys owe me beers.
0: It's very true. I don't know how that worked out. Us owing you beers. I feel like that could be the other way around, but I'll make it happen. I'll buy you. Uh, I'll buy you a brew.
1: You're a guest in my city. I guess I can buy you guys beer especially Corey. like he was really far out i thought he was in the city
0: nah he's out there but his his place is cool that's for that's for damn sure
1: oh yeah the further you are from dc the bigger and the nicer your place is i'm like living in a shithole in dc but it's dc so
0: it is dc i've been out there a few times it's nice. nice but we gotta wrap this up so reem thank you for stopping by um, it's been a long interview in the making, but we finally were able to make it happen. I know. I'm glad that we did. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I hope to talk to you a little more in the Slack, and and you know, maybe I, I I hope the you guys make it through the ideation phase, ideation phase, and and you make it to something that's bona fide, and and you can come on to our other show, Block Channel, and talk about what you're doing, because uh, I'm sure Mackie would love to hear about it. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll keep you guys up to date, and I will start um, harassing you guys with questions about blockchain and Bitcoin.
2: All
0: right. Have a good evening.